This is the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where it's all about getting the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Brought to you by Itumar Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. Now, here's your host, Kevin Pruitt. This is the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, and I am the host, Kevin Pruitt. It's my pleasure to introduce another great guest for you this week. Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur. His latest venture, Handwritten, is bringing back the lost art of letter writing through scalable, robot-based solutions that write your notes in pen. Developed as a platform, Handwritten lets you send notes from your CRM system, such as Salesforce, your website, apps, or through a custom integration. Used by major meal boxes, e-commerce giants, luxury brands, nonprofits, and professionals, Handwritten is changing the way brands and people connect. Prior to his current initiatives, he founded Sellit, a mobile marketing platform and, and mobile agency. Under his leadership, Sellit became a leading player in the mobile marketing space and invented the concept of mobile CRM. He's a frequent speaker on marketing technology and is presented for the Direct Marketing Association, South by Southwest, Advertising Research Foundation, and the National Restaurant Association. Also interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Variety, Washington Post, and many more. He is now a writer for Inc. Magazine and his column Stepping Away from the Day-to-Day. Join me in welcoming my friend and guest, David Wax, to the Marketing Umbrella Podcast. David, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Great to see you again. Great to reconnect. We were talking about we're on opposite sides of the country here in the U.S., so our weather disparity could probably not be much different right now. But, uh, David, thanks again for just just taking time in your busy schedule. And, I mean, I, this has kind of touched on the uh, the the business side of things. What's the personal side of David that the, my, the listeners might be interested in? Well, I've got two kids and two poodles that keep me very busy, <laughs> along with my wife, of course. So, uh my kids, my wife is Canadian. I imported her, so my kids are into hockey. All right. And uh, when I'm not here, I can be found hauling my kids to and from hockey games and putting on their gear and taking off their gear and worrying about their personal safety when they're on the rink. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of it. It's uh, typical typical dad days, that type of thing. But well, I, you know, we have done a previous interview on a podcast on a different podcast, but yeah. I would love for you to just to, just to in just briefly cover your journey. How did you arrive at handwritten? Nobody nobody graduates from Arizona State and says, "Hey, yeah. I'm going to start a handwriting marketing company here." Yeah. So when I graduated college, I was I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and when I graduated college, I was like, you know, laden with debt, saddled with debt and went to work in the corporate world um, first for consulting from this is back in 2000 2000 on the dot so back then it was the whole dot-com boom yeah and i thought well if i'm not going to be an entrepreneur the best thing the, the second best thing would be to work with large companies and try to create little dot-coms inside of them so i joined this consulting firm that that's what they did basically what they sell a kid straight out of school what they're doing is, you know, is the glamour side, but in actuality, you're sitting sitting in a windowless conference room for 18 hours a day doing uh, PowerPoint presentations. So that lost its luster after three years, and then I went to. I you're going to say three days. Yeah, well, it did, but uh, 
I left after three years and became a, a uh, investment banker analyst for uh, CSFB, Credit Suisse First Boston, and I analyzed small tech stocks. And then I went to a venture capital firm, and um, that was a disaster, best hold over beers. But my whole experience in San Diego was a total disaster to the point I had people showing up on my doorstep doing that that fist in hand motion wow. and, and uh, I got a fired and evicted and in a car accident and it flooded all this within like four months. It was a total disaster. So I, I left San Diego with my head between my legs, <laughs> went back to Scottsdale, Arizona, where I grew up and I started this company called Sell It, which at the time was the, our first service was focused on real estate to text in for info on properties. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my favorite idea, but it was an idea and I was desperate and um, I needed a job. And um, so I started this thing. I was on unemployment, kind of camping out in a house my, or a condo my father owned for a solid year programming house for sale. And then I was dating a girl back in Chicago at the time. And I'd go back to visit her and I'd walk up Southport Avenue, which is a street full of bars. And I thought, gee, what, what if we did something with text messaging to help promote these mm -hmm. bars? Wow. So I created a second thing called Coupon Zap so bars could send out drink alerts and that type of thing. Well, House for Sale, while we continued down the real estate side, never really made any money with real estate, but the text in for info started being used by commercial real estate where there was money and Marie Claire Magazine auto trader for rent, mm. um, all these yeah. kind of, at the time, and I know they're all dead now, but uh, you'd go to the supermarket and you'd pick up these little magazines for like for rent or auto yeah. trader, yeah. and they were Remember. trying to tie their offline presence to their online presence. And they did this through our service where you could text in for info on a car or a house or an apartment, whatever. And we powered all that. And then the texting platform coupons app for restaurants and bars yeah, we had restaurants and bars, uh, but we also had Abercrombie & Fitch and Toys R Us and Sam's Club. Mm -hmm. So by the end, we were sending about a million messages a day on behalf of these large brands. Wow. And I sold that company to a marketing firm based in Detroit called ePrize, which renamed itself Hello World because they got acquired and worked for them for two years. And then once my two-year lockup was done, the very next day I started handwritten because I saw that all this digital communication, whether it's texting that I was guilty for or emails or Slack or Twitter or Facebook or anything else, it was all just becoming noise. People, mm -hmm. I yep. was overwhelmed by it and I figured other people were too. But when I'd walk by the offices of my employees I'd see handwritten notes that they'd receive on display. So not only were they open and read, but they're kept and savored and put on display. So I thought maybe I could do something with this and try to figure out a way to scale handwritten outreach. So that's what we've been doing for the past nine years is I started this company called Handwritten. We use robots to automate handwritten notes. We have 175 robots. We're the largest in the world that does this, doing 20,000 notes a day on behalf of everything from realtors to luxury brands to you name it. So that's that's what we do is um, we're trying to, we our goal is to make sending a handwritten note easy or easier than sending an email. 
So that's kind of- I think you've accomplished that. I, yeah, uh, it's, it's getting there. I mean, a lot I, of it yeah. comes down to automation and right. uh, we have a really good automation stack, so. I want to touch on something you said just a moment ago. Um, I actually had had made a note about that, but and I think it, it really is about noise. Yeah, you know, you, I I love the the you know the reference that you made right then because, you know, we are absolutely inundated with you know emails, text. My my phone. I, I look at my phone and and I have a thousand text messages, and you know, twenty of them are from my contacts, and the rest of them are from these spam numbers, and I'm blocking yeah. contacts, and so. I, I love the idea, and, and I, I also love the inspiration. What you talked about, I just walked down and I, I saw these cards sitting on people's desks. Yeah, and thought, you know, had that voila moment, you know. So talk about noise a little bit. Talk about the idea that you know it makes perfect sense that a handwritten note would be you know personalized and, and it's you know seen as higher value than just this random you know spam text out there. But is there also something about you know i'm looking at this i was this a robot generator was this hand was this truly handwritten type thing i mean yeah. what talk it in terms of that and the noise factor together well what i would say is if you look at one of our notes especially if it's somebody's custom handwriting that we can replicate you will not know it's written by a robot unless i ask you Hey, Kevin, was this note written by a robot? In that case, you will put it under an undue level of scrutiny that you wouldn't do it normally. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd probably come up with yes. Everything else is is typically they look so good you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell. Visit handwritten.com, click business, request your own samples, and see for yourself, listener. But if you do know it's written by a robot it's still setting yourself apart than everybody else mm -hmm. just keeping out and sending another email, you know, and it's nothing new. I mean, if you think back to the Mad Men era of, you know, guys in blue suits working at IBM or something yep. like that, if the CEO of IBM wanted to send out a thank you note to somebody, do you think he wrote it? Yeah. Or do you think he had his yeah. admin write it? Well, he probably had his admin write it. So is it really any different than yeah. having a robot do it? But nowadays, and what's changed between 2014 and 2024 is Slack, uh, Twitter, uh, Slack and Teams, those weren't really around when I started mm -hmm. uh, handwritten. But what else wasn't around was AI generated content and these sales enablement platforms, as they're called, I called them spam engines, where, <laughs> you know, like Sales Loft or Reply.io, Persist IQ, there's a million of them. Apollo IO has one built in, and where it sends you an email from quote unquote Kevin, but it's a templated email. Mm -hmm. It's not, it doesn't look like a MailChimp email, it's just text on an email. But if you don't have the nerve to reply stop or reply leave me alone or reply anything, it'll just keep emailing you, yep. even though you never asked for it. Yep. And it'll be obnoxious emails like, bringing this back to the top of your inbox. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, I mean, how many of those do you get? You know, <laughs> And it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, I've created a hotkey on my Outlook where um, I press one button and it generates response, stop, cease, unsubscribe, cease your spamful ways. It deletes the original email and sends that just because I get so many of them a day, mm -hmm. I can't handle it. Yeah, that I, and, no doubt about that. I, yeah, and, and it, then, we're inundated. And then when you add that, and now people are getting extra crafty where they're using AI and all that stuff, 
but it's just we're at this tipping point where if I were to sit down and send you the most personal email in the world, it still could get mistaken for AI generated, mm -hmm. it, which doesn't mean that you didn't have a lot of thought in your email and you didn't try to send me a thoughtful email, but the scrutiny that people are putting into email these days, they're discounting it to such a degree that it's kind of, uh, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Now that could happen with letters too, handwritten notes, but we're a little bit behind the curve there, luckily. So we have a little bit more room. Does this mean that handwritten notes replace everything? 100% no. Mm -hmm. You still need to send emails, you need to send text, you need to send print collateral, whatever. But it's um, about surrounding the customer with all sorts of communication to ensure that you're constantly in front of them and getting your point across. I do think there's there's one, and there's a number of differentiators, but there's one that comes to mind. And that obviously, as you were talking, I'm thinking about, you know, how I receive, you know, even stuff through the mail. And I'm thinking, if I receive a handwritten note, yep. that I, I would never view that as spam, even if they're trying to sell me something, even if they're trying, I mean, at least they took the time to, you know, you can fill in the blank. And, right. and I, I think you, I, I think you mentioned this earlier, maybe it was, I, I took this from another interview you had done, but uh, it's not just printed notes on a sheet of paper, on a card. These are actually robots that are using, I think you use, you said blue gel pens that Correct. were there yeah. actually writing. I mean, it's, it's ink on paper. It's not, yeah. it's not just a printed laser printer, you know, note. So, and that, yeah, that to me, you can see the difference. It's, well, it passes the smudge test. You know, you can lick your finger and smudge the ink. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very much a it's a manufactured, not printed product. What I mean by that is it takes about five minutes to go from start to finish on any given note. I mean, first we have to laser, we have we have digital presses, so we print your custom stationery to your liking. We then cut it so it's full bleed and looks beautiful mm -hmm. and scored if it's a folded card. And then we have to feed that into a robot. We have to feed a nice toothy envelope into another robot and write out the envelope. And then we have to match the two together, QA it, uh, stuff it, stamp it, and mail it. So. It's it's not just like a laser printed junk mail piece that gets trifolded tri and then uh, tabbed where they use those little stickers and you know close it off. Um, it's it's a much more involved process um, and unfortunately the costs are therefore higher than print, mm -hmm. but it's one of these things you get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, but because it looks handwritten, just on the envelope, it gets a three uh, a three hundred percent greater open rate than traditional wow. print. And then what we're seeing on the response rates to these, unfortunately, a lot of our clients don't share response rates, but we have auto dealers that do. The um, response rates is 27X compared to traditional print and about three times the coupon redemption rate compared to an email. So we're seeing some very, very high response rates because the least used mailbox inbox for customers is the one at the end of their driveway. You know, their phone's mm -hmm. being overused, their, their computer's being overused, but the, their traditional old-fashioned uh, mailbox is not. So if you're looking to differentiate, this is a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, if I get a stack of you know, of letters in the, in the post, in the mail, and I'm looking at it, you know, I get 
three three of them are credit card offers that I don't want that I n would will not even open. I mean, right. literally just throw it right in the trash can. Yeah. But if I get one that actually is a handwritten, you know, address on the outside, I mean, that probably will make it to the stack that I'll open. You know, for yeah, you were talking. And it might about. be dessert. Like it, what I do when I get a handwritten note is I stick it at the back of the pile and I go through the bills first. Love that dessert. Have dessert. <laughs> yeah. So if you had if you had to come up with a and and maybe it's not the one you're currently using but if you had to come up with a tagline for this service like a you know four four words six words eight words whatever what would you tell me Between us girls I'd say when it's almost well hallmark slogan is when it's good enough to send the very best handwritten slogan should be when it's almost good enough to send the very best. <laughs> um, you know, the very best is actually sending a an actual handwritten note, you know, written by you. That's always going to be better than a robot. I don't care how good that robot is. But when you're trying to do stuff at scale, if you're trying to send out thanks to a thousand donors or 10,000 clients or whatever, you just wouldn't get around to it anyway. So this is what I'd say is when it's almost good enough to send the very best. And I... I can't imagine that if you have exponentially higher open rates, response rates, that, I mean, it pretty soon it pays for itself. I mean, yeah, if I mean, you really seeing, put it on paper. We're seeing, at least with the auto dealers, where we've been able to figure it out, we came up with a 7x ROI greater than traditional print. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly ROI there, but there's investment, unfortunately, that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's not about sending handwritten notes all the time. I'd say use it strategically between yeah. one to four times a year. You know, I, I'd say at a minimum, you know, if you have a high value purchase after the purchase, sending a thank you note. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, ideally you'd send a holiday note, you'd send a birthday card and maybe one other touch point. And that's it. Because if you send them too much, people are going to be like, give me a break. Uh, you're not actually doing this, but if you do it enough, you want to surprise and delight that customer or that contact. So I, you know, you got to kind of keep it limited, but um, you know, it's one more tool in the toolbox. I think that, that, uh, you know, I've, I've done a number of these interviews and talked to, you know, people in the marketing space and they always talk about, you know, return on ad spend and return on investment. And, and I'm thinking, you know, we're always talking about that in light of what's the positive ROI. Mm -hmm. But I think that spam has a negative ROI too. So it's not just the fact that it's not effective. It's matter of fact, it it frustrates me. It makes yeah. me angry. It, it is detrimental. Yeah. I don't see that that handwritten would have a negative, you know, side well, to this. You know, what I like to do when I'm on podcasts like yours is I talk about the benefit of a handwritten thank you, not from us handwritten with a Y, but just handwritten with an I. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, what's the ROI of a thank you? Mm -hmm. And if and I kind of look at them and my eyes cross, I say, well, if you need to know the ROI of a thank you, I'm probably not the right customer, the right vendor for you because- And we don't you know, even, and I don't want to work with you either. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the, you're asking the wrong question, basically. You know, in today's day and age of the internet, which is nothing new at this point, but people have- an abundance of choice. They can use handwritten, they can use one of our competitors, they can use Kevin, they can use one of Kevin's competitors. They don't like handwritten, they can design their own handwritten mm -hmm. by hiring a bunch of people overseas and do that. 
or if they don't like this product or that product, they can go to Alibaba and have one made. So when somebody makes the decision to choose you, you should thank them, yeah. you know? And it's not just ask for a why, it's just thank them. And there's benefit there, uh, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term there is. And there's also just this gratitude mindset. And, you know, there's a book out right now called Unreasonable Hospitality. And in that, there's a quote, um, Maya Angelou, and I'm paraphrasing, so I'm sorry, Maya, but um, people don't remember what they, what you sold them or what you did for them, meaning what service you provided. They remember how you make them feel. Yep. And it's very powerful um, how you make somebody feel. And if you make somebody feel appreciated, that goes a lot. It's hard to quantify, but it goes a lot, uh, a lot farther. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, if everything you do is just micro, micro ROIS or ROI, it's just, you know, you're kind of losing the holistic viewpoint. You're taking this very Cartesian viewpoint, which mm-hmm. myopic viewpoint, which is kind of silly. Yep. You know, I'll give you an example, not related to us, but when I was. Uh, doing sell it, we were trying to sell a text messaging program. I believe this was to a major cosmetic brand. And it was relatively cheap. Everything they want to test, test, test. They don't want to invest any money. They're just test, test, test. And they were testing and test, and they said, okay, and I was in the meeting with them, and okay, what will this $3,000, what's the ROI going to be from this $3,000 campaign? What can we see exposing? And then I gave them the best numbers I could. And then we all got in the elevator together and they started talking to me about this huge campaign they were going to do where they were going to send their 10,000 best clients a $20 mug with their logo on it. And I'm thinking, have you done the ROI analysis on that? <laughs> I'm guessing no. You you know, so people people selectively decide, oh, this needs an ROI that doesn't. But a thank you note, you know, what's the cost to acquire that customer mm-hmm. versus retain it? Yep. Um, there's ROI there. I, I could, but, but that said, I can give you a lot of quantifiable examples if you want from other I, clients. It's, it's interesting. Nobody's concerned about ROI if it's their idea. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. If it's yeah. if it's not my idea, then I want you to justify it by telling me how much how much what's the return on that. So, give us a give us an, a a a real world example that uh you know a company have just had you know they started using this and they're like wow you know this yeah is so um I, I have two good examples well i have a lot of examples but um one of them is um there's a snack box company that sends out office snacks and if i told this on your other podcast i forgive me um, but basically, you subscribe. They give you they, every month. They send your office a box of snacks, um, and it's just a subscription. And if they screwed up and either sent you the wrong box of snacks or forgot to send you a box of snacks, they'd send you a handwritten note from us, along with some extra swag, um, apologizing for the mistake, fully take, taking full ownership of the mistake, apologizing, etc. What they found was those clients that had the poor experience and were sent handwritten note and the swag obviously which certainly doesn't hurt (laughs) um they have a higher lifetime value 
than those that were never screwed up with in the first place. So then their decision was just screw up with everybody, raise all boats. You know, uh, so so that's what they decided to do. Um, another client, and this is getting very small time, but it's I think very powerful, is a piano tuner based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania, I believe Pittsburgh. And after coming in and tuning your piano, he has an automation set up to send you a thank you note. Um, you know, thank you for the opportunity to tune your piano. He's not asking for anything. He's doing what I call a full stop thank you, just thanking for the opportunity to mm -hmm. um, to serve you. And then he doesn't have to see you for a year because your piano only needs to be tuned once a year. That you know, if you're doing your job, that's great. Yeah. So then a year later, when he comes back to tune your piano again, he says it's a staggering number of times when he walks in to tune that piano and the handwritten note he sent a year before is standing up on the piano. Wow. So or not in the piano open, or somewhere, yeah. Yeah, not only Gosh, is it open, not only crazy. is it read, it's put on display on the person's most prized possession, mm -hmm. typically, in the fanciest room of their house. That's you know? amazing. And that is display advertising you cannot buy. You they cannot wouldn't buy. put my business card up there. Yeah, and if I sent an email, they're not mm -hmm. gonna print it out and scotch no, no tape it to the piano. Not or a chance. A text message. So it's a very unique in that it has that staying power. And you know, when we send out a bunch of handwritten notes to prospect for our business, and um, you know, we'll call people, say, "Hey, did you receive our handwritten note?" Yeah, it's sitting right here on my desk. Okay, therefore you know it works, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you didn't just hit the delete key and you remember it's there. So those are the big examples. I mean, we have um, nonprofits that use us to raise donation rates. We have automotive dealers that drive 27 times the volume into their dealership. We've got um, realtors obviously using us for prospecting. There, there's um, solar panel installers. So what they'll do is they'll go into a neighborhood, install a roof, and then they can use our platform to circle the neighborhood and say, okay, everybody within this neighborhood that that is a homeowner that meets certain revenue criteria, send them a handwritten note apologizing for us making noise in their neighborhood, you know? And from doing that, they're able to generate um, additional sales every single time. So, you know, and the, the value of a, a solar roof is certainly a lot more than a thousand handwritten notes, so. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I know that we've talked a lot about, you know, sending thank yous and, and customer attention and, you know, Hey, we screwed up. Let us let us make it right, type thing. But what about on the on the front end? What about lead generation? What what's the yeah. use case? Um, you know, I, normally you wouldn't send just you know ten thousand handwritten notes out, just kind of yeah. shotgun approach. But what's the specific use case for handwritten for lead gen? I mean, you can do that for um, for the most part. I, I I find it's realtors that do that. We do have a full business um, prospect. So we have a, a residential prospecting platform built in and a business platform built in. So you can go into our system, circle an area on a map, and if you're doing residences, pick renters or owners and their criteria, and then we'll send them, you, you know, up to all of them a handwritten note depending mm -hmm. on your budget. And then we have the same thing with businesses. So using SIC codes, I believe, or maybe it's NA, yeah, I believe it's SIC, not NAICS, but we can target all the um, lawyers or dentists or dry cleaners in your neighborhood mm. and then send them all a handwritten note. We have all that data. 
I will tell you, it's very expensive to do that. I would not say that's the ideal use case mm -hmm. because it is so expensive. However, also in our platform, we have two other tools. We've got a um, anniversary birthday manager where you can go in and upload all your contacts and then and you could even segment. So, you know, some of your contacts get this message on this card, others get this on this card, and then we'll just automatically do it for you um, and just take that off your plate for both birthdays and anniversaries. And then we also have a multi-step campaign manager. So if you have people, you want to receive a handwritten note today, in a month, get another one, and three months after that, get another one, we have kind of mm -hmm. a system built up for that too. So we've tried to cover um, all bases there as along with our integrations, which we have for Salesforce, HubSpot, Shopify, BlackBot, which is a nonprofit one, and then major car dealership DMS systems, among others. I could see the, um, I, I, and what you mentioned, it could get very expensive. It's like LinkedIn advertising. I mean, you, you can, I, that, that bill can go up in a hurry, but yeah. I could maybe see using your current CRM, like maybe for a, a new product launch or a new service launch or something yeah, like that. Where exactly. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, a little 100%. More, much more you know, focused. We worked with a retailer, a high-end jewelry re retailer, and they had us, um, they were putting in a new location and they had us target all high net worth residences within a five mile radius of that location and, and just send handwritten notes to them because the value of their product was high enough margin that it could support mm -hmm. that. But, you know, yeah. it, you, you got to think through it and we're not going to push you in a direction that doesn't make sense for you. Before we get to the the rapid fire question sure. part of our interview, um, we talked a little bit off camera just before I hit record. I really wanted you to touch on kind of the AI side of, yeah. of you know, the, in the AI integration in this service. I mean, talk about that briefly. So we have three forms of AI. Don't forget, I'm a consultant, uh, <laughs> but you know, my first job, out of, consultants talk about everything in threes. So we have our three forms of AI. Um, number one is the writing. So we use, for a long, long time, we use um, systems to vary characters. So it's not two A's that are the same or, you know, how we connect letters, all that. That's not AI. That's just good programming. But then we also vary the line spacing and mm -hmm. left margin. None of that's AI. But what we do use AI for is to bend the, the lines a little bit. So it looked like you tried to write across the page mm -hmm. perfectly, but you failed. You know, you just got off track just a little bit. We use AI for that. We also use AI for quality assurance. So we use machine vision systems. You know, it was very different when we were sending a thousand handwritten notes a day, but now that we're doing 10 to 20 times that, it's different. So we've, we've created machine vision systems that use AI um, to ensure that the, the correct note goes in the correct envelope. But the one you're talking about is probably our LLM integration, so large language model. Mm -hmm. And what we do there is um, ever since when we started, you could go onto handwritten, and if you didn't know what to write somebody, we had a couple templates. You know, write a birthday card, and you could choose the birthday card template. It would say, you know, here's to another spin around the sun or whatever. And you could include that in the body of your message, um, you know, and have it handwritten. Now, because we have AI, you have an infinite number of templates at your disposal. So I could say, send a handwritten note to Kevin for having me on his marketing podcast. And then it'll just write the whole thing. It'll know that I'm from handwritten. Um, and it'll say, you know, 
Kevin, thanks for allowing me to come on and share a little bit about handwritten. Mm -hmm. And it's just built, it, it was just a natural use case, a, a natural use case for um, AI. I, I think a lot of what's going on right now, people are trying to sprinkle the, the word AI on everything, but yeah. for us, it really is. Um, it is just using, I mean, we tie directly into ChatGPT to mm -hmm. enable that, so. So there is, I'm certainly, a, there is an overlap, you know, in this space. And and uh, I think that, you know, it's, you're probably just scratching the surface on on what it can do or, or will be able to do in the future. But I want to shift right now. This is our rapid fire. I'm going to sure. ask you some disparate questions. And you're going to be going, why in the world is that he at? How, what does that have to do with anything? But there is a method to our madness here as, we're, as we jump in here. But before we do that, I want to ask you one other question. You mentioned something in uh, you know note you sent me. Tell us really just briefly about your experience in Paris at Cordon Bleu. Oh, yeah. Or as the French would say, Cordon Bleu. Cordon Bleu. <laughs> um, so I went to um, University of Pennsylvania, which is in the news these days. But um, I was in this engineering business program. So I had a it was a five-year program in the School of Engineering, did computer science, and then doing Wharton's undergrad business. It was a very intensive five years. In five years, I had two electives. One of them wasn't even the elective I wanted. It was just, it, it, it was what it was. Actually, neither of them I really wanted, but it's, it's what I got stuck with. So I came out after five years uh, with a tremendously practical education and zero enlightenment. Um, so I had this job at the consulting firm. They said they didn't want me for three months and they gave me what I thought was a large amount of money at the time. It was like 10 or 15,000 bucks. I was above the moon on it. And I said, gee, what am I going to do with the summer? I have all this time and 15 grand, 10 grand in my pocket. I've got a beater car. What do I need another car? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what, what am I going to do? So I, um, I went, I always thought it'd be cool to go to cooking school and wouldn't you know it? Cordon Blues um, had a three-month summer program that cost exactly ten grand. <laughs> so I was like, "It's meant to be." I went over there, and then I learned about taxes afterwards, and realizing <laughs> yeah. I wasn't paid ten grand, but it was yeah. like sales or something. So, but yeah, no, it was a great experience. I worked for, I went to Cordon Bleu, and then they have um, an externship. Which, quite honestly, if you ask me, what's the difference between that and an internship, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But I worked in a Michelin for a Michelin starred chef in his bistro and then two days in one of his main um, three-star Michelin restaurants, um, Guy Savoie, or as us Americans would say, Guy Savoy. He's got a place <laughs> in, um, he's got a place in Vegas at Caesar's Palace now. But, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a very cool experience. Um, I have a lot of respect for chefs. Can I cook? Not and so they work well, hard. But yeah. yeah. I mean, th to tell you, the most frequent used word to describe my food was poubelle, which means yeah, trash can. It does. It certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> you speak French? Well, we lived in France for three years. So, yes, oh. I, I certainly know those words. Yeah. And, uh, that's yeah, cool. and you've used them. So, that, that's what are exactly you doing right. in France? Um, I actually work for a large nonprofit. So, I, uh, Very it was cool. a Christian ministry that we were, you know, living there and and uh, doing education disaster lead products projects all over the world so that's amazing yeah, it's, a, it's a great great time my my kids still speak 
uh, beautiful French. I speak French like somebody that grew up in Missouri, but uh, you know, <laughs> there there is a vive la différence. So uh, it is, uh, yeah, I love that experience. But so we jumped into rapid fire questions. Here they are. So okay, you've already answered two or three of those. What time do you wake up in the morning? Uh, five thirty because between five thirty and six thirty is me time before the kids wake up. And what time you go to bed? uh 11 10 30 11. ideal vacation spot other than the cordon bleu in paris uh money not an object anywhere in the world i'd love to go to australia uh or, or go on a big scuba diving trip something like that so intersection of faith and work at all how does faith impact the way you do your business a lot you know, I think you have to be a moral person mm -hmm. uh, and treat your employees. I mean, we at Handwritten, we have everything from software engineers and electrical engineers down to people that stuff envelopes and treating those envelope stuffers with a high level of respect and dignity. And, um, you know, is that faith or is that just being a good human? I kind of consider it one and the same. Um, I also believe in acts of loving kindness and, and, and charity. Handwritten gives to a number of causes. Some are 501c3s, some are buying trucks to give to the Ukrainians direct. Mm. So we have uh, Ukrainian programmers um, and we've bought military trucks <laughs> and uh, to give Russia the big middle finger. Um, <laughs> so we've done that. But, you know, in addition to that, handwritten, you know, I believe um, in sustainability. And um, for every 100 cards we mail around here, we plant a tree through one tree planted. Mm -hmm. So we're replacing trees at a rate of 23 to one. For every one tree we use, we, we plant 23. So I think all of that at a high level, um, comes from some of my religious beliefs and uh, upbringing. If you were king for a day, what's one thing you would you would change about the, just the marketing space across the board? I think this ridiculous ROI, uh, micro ROIing type thing where you're trying to find ROI and everything and kind of losing the bigger picture, that, that would probably, that would be it, as well as removing some of the spam email. It's just, it's out of hand. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. And it has been so good to uh, reconnect and just, uh, yeah. you know, here uh, you've even iterated, you know, from the last couple of years it's been since we chatted the last time. And, and uh, I, I can, there's even like almost a, a maturity, even in the way that you talk about the business, you know, it seems like that there's just a, a slight difference there that you, you, you know, you gain another level of understanding and, and experience and, and working with clients and, and, uh, able to, you know, share that story in such a lucid and, and concise, you know, manner. But is there anything else that, that I haven't asked you about? You just kind of want to wrap us up today and just tell people where the best place to find you online. No, I would just say, think about that Maya Angelou quote of, uh, it's not what you do or sell. It's how you make people feel. I, I think that's, you know, regardless of handwritten notes or, or whatever, I mean, it's just having a level of hospitality and everything you do, I think is so critical. But you can find um, handwritten at handwritten.com, H-A-N-D-W-R-Y-T-T-E-N. Click business and you can get samples sent to you or, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not 
active really on Twitter or any of that, um, mm -hmm. but you can find me on LinkedIn. Well, it has been a pleasure. I, I really want to thank you again, David, for just coming on and just sharing your expertise and really just helping marketing agencies grow and scale their agencies. David, thank you again. Have a blessed holidays, and it's been a pleasure to see you. Same to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thank you for tuning in to another great episode of the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we provide the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. To learn more, go to UmbrellaUS.com.